0: Today we are going to learn the 296th shir of Rambam, which corresponds to Hilchus Malveveleve, the laws of loans, which, of course, as we learned, are a mitzvah. And in the learning of three chapters of Rambam, this corresponds to chapters 4, 5, and 6 of those halachas. And we have today but one mitzvah, a short mitzvah, but a mitzvah that I think really needs to be properly explained. It is mitzvah sasei kuf membeiz, the 142nd positive mitzvah of the Torah. I'm going to read this and translate it literally, but then I'm going to ask you please to listen carefully as I explain it, because it sounds on the surface a little bit harsh. Hatzivui shenitztavinu, the commandment but we were instructed, lingosh es hanochri, which literally means to press, or kind of to go after the Gentile who owes us money, the and to pressure him, as we demand, or exact payment, for our loans. Now, the Rambam does something very interesting. Really, that doesn't need to be explained. It's very obvious. Okay, so we were commanded, exact payment. He owes you money, demand the payment. Rambam says that this has to be contrasted it's along the lines in the same way that we were commanded to be benevolent to the members of Am Yisrael, in the same way we're commanded to exact payment for those who are not members of Am Yisrael, in the same way that in the same way we were warned not to exact payment. So, what does this mean? And, and furthermore, why did Ramam say that? Where did Ramam get that from? It's a mitzvah to demand payment. Okay, fine. So demand payment. Why does he say it's a mitzvah to demand payment? Kiderach. In the same way that there's people, your brothers and sisters, for whom you're not allowed to demand payment. So the answer to that question is right here in the Rambam. Because God, the Holy One, says in his Torah, and now the Rambam refers us to Deuteronomy 15, verse 3. And he says... From the Gentile you shall exact. Okay, that didn't answer the question. That didn't answer why it's Kededech. Why did the Rambam decide to contrast the way we exact payment with the benevolence and not exacting payment from a member of Am Yisro? So it helps if you open up the Chumash and you see that chapter 15 talks about the sabbatical year and then it goes on to talk about what they call an English charity in Hebrew righteousness, tzedakah. So in the 15th chapter of Deuteronomy the Torah says that in addition to everything we talked about on the Shemitah, on the year in which the fields of the land of Israel must lie fallow and the time in which we're not allowed to work until the soil, the sacred soil, that it's Yisrael so the Torah comes along and says, in addition to the sabbatical from agricultural work, there's something else that happens. And that is, that miket sheva You can conduct a shmita. A shmita means a cessation, a sabbatical. What kind of sabbatical is this? Torah, so, I'll tell you what kind of sabbatical we're talking about. Because we've already talked about the notion of not working the land. He said, This is the thing of that sabbatical. The thing is, kol bal Here we understand the idea of shamait as release. La hashmit means to open your hand, or to release something you held fast release it so he says this is the kind of release that you have to conduct this is the kind of release we're talking about every creditor must relinquish whatever he lent the money he lent to his fellow Yid in other words no creditor is allowed to exact repayment from his fellow Israelite from his fellow Yid now we're talking here about a loan I give somebody a loan he didn't pay me back. I'm upset. I want my money. The Shemitah comes and all of a sudden I'm not allowed to get my money anymore. Zedvara Shemitah. All loans will be forgiven. For God has proclaimed this year to be a year of Shemitah. Kikorah. Shemitah Lashem. It's a release in honor of God. This takes a tremendous amount of faith to do it's very hard to let go of money that's rightfully yours. Hashem says, I take care of you. Who gives you parnos? Who provides for you? I provide for you. This is the how you treat your brother. If he couldn't be unmatched, and he couldn't bring himself to pay back, I'll deal with him. It's basically a reset of the economy. This would be perhaps the equivalent of what happens in today's day and age with a declaration of bankruptcy, but there is no such thing as declaration of bankruptcy. You can't decide, oh, I'm not going to pay back the loans. My corporation incurred those loans. In Torah, there is nothing like corporations that takes the place of a person. At the end of the day, there's a the principle of the corporation, and somebody's responsible. And you can't just walk away from it. And you owe the money. And you have to pay back the money. You could try to make a deal, you could say, I'm sorry, I, know I owe you money, I never paid it back. In fact, we're even told that people should pay back their parents' debts. Scary stuff. So there's this notion that you're always responsible. But God wipes the slate clean every seven years. God wipes the slate clean. And God forgives these loans. And so, this notion is something that is contrasted with how you treat those who are not members of your family. As we go on to verse 3, Es the prohibition exa- against exacting repayment, which is couched here, in a restrictive commandment. You're not allowed to do that from your fellow Yid. The traitor comes along and says that this is subject to an active commandment, or a mitzvah Say that you may, or, according to Rambam, must exact payment from somebody who's not Jewish. In other words, it's not a mitzvah to torture people. The last time I checked, getting repaid is my constitutional right. You have no right to take my money and not pay me back. I did you a favor, I gave you a loan, pay me back. Yeah, I don't want to pay you back. Are you kidding? I'm going to see you in court. Would anybody say, oh, look at this wicked guy. He gave a loan, and now he's exacting payment from the other person. Of course he's exacting payment. Why shouldn't he exact payment? So the Torah says that your own family, you have to treat differently. This is not an anti-Gentile law. This is telling us about the ridiculous lengths that we have to go to To love a fellow Yid and to treat a Jew who we never met before like he is literally my brother or my sister. That's what we're talking about. That's why the realm says, we're contrasting this. This is contrasted with the benevolence that I must show to a fellow Yid, which is unreasonable. That kind of unreasonable expectation is not made of you, but it's not a member of your family. We treat our family different than we treat others. That doesn't make us racist. It doesn't make us mean. It doesn't make us bad. Yeah. If you have a few extra shekels, and your brother or sister have to make a wedding, it's not unusual to help them out. Or they're suffering, or having a hard time. You have more, and they have less. It's perfectly normal. And if they asked for a loan, and you gave them a loan, and you see them digging a deeper hole, and you don't see them being able to get out of this, it's perfectly normal for you to say, you know what, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. Thank God I'm I'm provided for, I'm okay. It's fine. That's a normal thing. It's a normal way to treat family. The Torah doesn't say you should do it even. It doesn't say you have to treat your fellow you like that. But when the Shemitah year comes, Hashem says, I am resetting the economy, and that's the way I expect you to behave. It sounds outrageous. It's an act of faith. You do what Hashem says. Ooh. So if I'm supposed to behave this way, I guess I'm supposed to behave that way with everybody. Comes the Torah, and says no, absolutely not. This is how I want you to treat your family. I didn't say you should treat everybody like your family. You see your brother, you haven't seen him in a long time. You run over, you hug him, kiss him, shalom aleichem. How are you? Try that with a stranger. Do me a favor, when you do it, have somebody like taking a, a video of it and see how well that goes. Go over to a perfect stranger, go over and hug him, say, I love you. He says, are you out of your mind? Are you a pervert? No, I want to kiss you. Get, there, get away from me. Forget about the times where people are wearing masks and afraid of pandemics. I'm talking about just plain, regular, normal behavior. That's not acceptable. So what's acceptable for family is not acceptable for non-family. And God says in his Torah, I know, you're going to read this and get really inspired and say, okay, every seven years, it's a... Forget about everything. In the end, Parnosa, prosperity comes from God. The economy is in God's hands. It'll work out. God says no. Now, Ramban, Nachmanides, disagrees with the Ramban. He says it's not a mitzvah. The Torah says you may do this. Even though the Sifri, which is the Medrash Halacha that accompanies the book of Deuteronomy, clearly says that it is a mitzvah, sasei. he clearly says that. But Ramban explains it otherwise. And he has different sources to rely upon. So the Rambam says it's a positive mitzvah. The Ramban, in his commentary on the Torah, in the Chumash, in Pasha Srei, as well as in his d- disputation of the Rambam's book of mitzvahs, in his disputation, in his book of mitzvahs, this Asogus, in Tradish Bays, Ramban says, no, Ramban, Ramban, Ramban says these are things which are permissible, but not necessarily a mitzvah, not something which is expected of you. And here, my friends, I want to share with you a brilliant and beautiful way Hasidus explains this. So the Rebbe once explained with regard to a similar mitzvah. The Rebbe said, why is it a mitzvah, Rav has a mitzvah to take interest from somebody who's not Jewish? Why is it a mitzvah? And I think this explains this, this mitzvah to the Rebbe says like this. If my money is taken out of circulation, I lost money. Not charging interest, it sounds on like else a noble thing to do. It's not just a noble thing to do. Giving a loan, which means I took my money out of circulation, I could have invested that money, I don't have that money to invest, I lost money. My money should be able to make me money. The Torah comes along and says, no, you don't make money off your brother. Sorry. You don't make money off your own brother or sister's unfortunate circumstances. Alright? When it comes to somebody who's not a member of my family, make money. The Rebbe says, there's a beautiful teaching from the Baal Shem Tov, and the words, the Gam Tzmeyam. He talks about people who are in a desperate situation Well, hungry and thirsty, it says, their very soul is pining. It's not the soul that's pining when you're hungry and thirsty. It's the body that feels the sensation of thirst. It's the body that feels the emptiness of the stomach. Why does it say nafsham? Why does it say the soul? And the Baal Shem Tov said that the bodily phenomena of hunger and thirst is actually a reflection of a spiritual phenomena. And he introduces us to this incredible Lurianic idea that everything of the material world is powered and energized by a godly spark. And that when we utilize something of material matter for a holy purpose, we redeem the godly spark. In the language that the Alter Rebbe uses in the 37th chapter of Tanya, we take it from the dominion of Klippa, and we bring it under the dominion of Kedusha of Holiness. It becomes reflective of the purpose of creation. And by the way, that is the true meaning of that famous bandied around terminology, tikkun olam, rectifying perfecting the world means to utilize every iota of existence for a holy and sacred purpose by redeeming those sparks from their exilic reality. Now the notion here is this. If there's a spark it's my job to free it. If it wouldn't be my job to free it it wouldn't be in my residuals. It wouldn't be part of my repertoire. If it was given to me, it was given to me for a purpose. And so the Rebbe, building on this Baal Shem Tovonian idea, says, if I was given money, I was given that money to be able to elevate it, how does one elevate money? The answer is when you give tzedakah. No, you don't give tzedakah. No, the opposite happens. So if I had the possibility of making a profit and then utilizing that for a tzedakah purpose, but instead, I just didn't bother collecting, I actually become guilty of something. And the Rebbe explains this is the reason that the Rambo makes a mitzvah out of it. It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to utilize every ounce of material plenty, wealth, and affluence for a holy and for a sacred purpose. And by doing so, we accelerate the process not only of our personal redemptive life, not only living a life of meaning ourselves, but we actually, like all mitzvahs, make a direct contribution to the transformation of the whole world. And this is a little bit of what can be said about mitzvah Kufman Beis, the 142nd positive mitzvah of Hashem's Holy Torah.